0: Welcome to the Samson Strength Coach Collective Podcast. We've created this collective in order to grow a network of strength coaches who are consistently raising the standard within our industry and as an educational resource for coaches of all levels. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Samson underscore EQ. This episode features Nick Zastoudis, Head Strength and Conditioning Coach for the University of Illinois at Chicago, hosted by Matt Tometz. Welcome to the Samson Equipment's Strength Coach Collective presented by Samson Equipment. Today, I'm your host, Matt Tometz, and I'm joined by Nick Zestoudis. Did I say that correct? You did good, you nailed it. Perfect, I wanted to say it live for all the pressure, so I got it right. He is the head strength and conditioning coach of University of Illinois at Chicago. So for everyone who's not familiar, could you please share a little bit about your background?
1: Sure, sure. I actually I'm a Chicago native. Uh grew up in the area in the suburbs. From high school, I was much like some other people, multiple sport athlete, football, ice hockey, and track. Uh from there I went to the Colorado State University, got recruited somewhat for football and wanted to go in and actually be an orthopedic surgeon. Then I actually had uh I I got exposure to my strength conditioning coaches and I knew that I I loved lifting. I always loved lifting. I loved it for the fact that I was never a star athlete. I just loved to work. I loved it, even though if I was not a starter, I could do stuff in this room and see myself getting better, even if I wasn't playing on the field or on the ice or something. So that really drove me. And when I saw that there was actually a profession you could do this in, I was amped. I was all in from the start. And and, you know, it's they say people change their major five times in college. I got there, I saw this, I knew what I wanted to do against my my our we had a academic service counselor in college or, um, academic, yeah. Academic service counselor. And she was like, you're going to work long hours. You're not going to make a lot of money. And I turned around, I said, but I'm going to love what I do for the rest of my life. And she's like, Whoa, you have to weigh that. And sure enough, I'm here 20 years later, uh, still doing the job that I love. Still don't feel like I've worked a day in my life. Um, after Colorado state, well, I went from football Lost my passion for the game. Uh, then I, I walked onto the track team, earned a scholarship as a hammer thrower. Um, from there, I knew I wanted to go into strength and conditioning. One of my strength coaches, he actually became the head strength and conditioning coach for the Colorado Avalanche and allowed me to do an internship with him there. And we ended up winning the Stanley Cup in 2001. So I was there for that. Prior to that, I'd come home to Chicago over the summers and I was a fortunate. Enough to do an internship under Larry Liljett at Northwestern. Um, once I graduated, said you got to go to grad school. And and my my mentor at Colorado State and at at the Avalanche, Paul Goldberg, he said I got a guy who was looking for a graduate assistant at University of North Dakota. His name's Paul Chapman. Need to go up there. I'll be honest, I had to look on a map to see where North Dakota was. So I ended up finding that. I spent a year and a half under Chapman. It was some of the best times ever. Myself, Jared Neslin, John Ciani, um, learned so much, not just about strength and conditioning, but just the right way to act and the right way to be towards people. And it was just truly a moving experience. And up there, I was... There, finished my coursework. I got a phone call from Larry Lilja, said Tom Christian, who we both know, was leaving to start his own business. We have an assistant position open, and I want you to to send me your resume directly. So I did. I was going to come home for the summer for a little bit for a few weeks to see my family. They ended up flying me out from North Dakota early. I met with Coach Walker, who's since passed away. He was a head football coach at the time uh, with Larry. And went out to, they took me out to lunch, came back from lunch, and Larry turned to me and said, I don't know what you said to walks, but he wants to hire you right now. So that kind of started. I spent six phenomenal years up at Northwestern. And then the position came here where at UIC, again, another former mentor of mine, Ann Crosby, she, she was the head strength coach here at UIC. She wanted to leave to do other things. And now she's the head strength coach for the Chicago Sky. Um, and she's done also a lot of major league soccer team stuff. And, and she's like, Nick, they want me to name somebody. Would you be interested? And again, I've, I've never been the guy who chases a sweater of a logo I'm somebody who loves what they do. I was able to stay in the city where I'm from, stay around my family, be a head coach at a division one school. Uh, And it was just, it was the right fit. And it was one of those things where now I'm going on my 12th, going on 13th year as a head guy at UIC.
0: That's awesome, man. You've been all over the place, both literally and figuratively. And you alluded to some of the things that we have questions for. So I'm excited that you gave little teasers. But it's interesting, kind of just as you, you talked about your journey that, That if you work hard, this is one thing that I super believe in. If you work hard for the right people, it might not necessarily play out how you necessarily want it. If someone is logo chasing right, wrong, or or the other, but you work hard for the right people. That's when the the good stuff happens, you know, and and all of these things, they kind of just, it was never planned. I was going X, I was going Y, but that's how networking works it's not about who you know, it's who knows you, who's willing to put their name out there with your name. So it sounds like you took advantage of all all the opportunities that you had, you worked hard for the right people, you balled out for them. And then I guess you didn't mess it up. And they decided to to pass your name along. So that's led you to now. It's a very cool story. And we will get into the first question. What is the coolest story you have thus far in your career?
1: I would say if we're talking from an athlete perspective, and I love telling this story. Now, I've been extremely fortunate in the time that I've had. And, and I was trying to compile a list of, you know, kids that I have athletes that I've coached and, and where they've gone on to. And it turns out, again, I haven't coached at huge powerhouse schools. And again, we could talk Northwestern now, Northwestern football now was not what it was when I was there, but looking back, I have almost over a hundred kids that have gone professional in, in athletics that I've been strength coach of them. I've been, you know, and again, not to say that I did that, but I've been fortunate enough to have that many kids that have gone on to the next level. All of them are truly special. I remember every single one of them, but I will tell you the one that always sticks out in my mind and I'll just use his first name. His name was Pete. And when I was at Northwestern, he was one of my tennis players. Now, just to give you a little background, Pete was a walk-on. He was about six, five, maybe 155 pounds, horrible acne face he used to joke around and say he was from the mean streets of the gated community in Naples, Florida. So it's one of those things where it's like, it's like he would flex his muscles like this and there were no muscles. He looked like Jack Skellington from nightmare before Christmas, but Pete was afraid to jump up to a 12 inch box. Like, and I'm not saying that as a joke, mind you, a division one tennis player, he had such a mental block that he couldn't do it. Now my philosophy on coaching is teaching. My philosophy is you build mental toughness by giving them a million small wins for them to fall back against, not the whole talk down and all that stuff. So I did that. Pete, you can do this. I know you can, man. Let's start with this little box. It's no different. The day he finally jumped up to that 12-inch box, he stepped up on it. You would have thought he was at the Mr. Olympia. He's flexing. He's going, what's good? Ah!" It was absolutely awesome. It was so friggin' cool. but the way this story progresses is after I left Northwestern, probably about two years after I took this job, now mind you removed for about two and a half years. I received an email from Pete and Pete said, Nick, I just wanted to touch base with you. It's been a long time. He said, since we last parted ways, I stopped playing tennis at Northwestern. I joined the military. He goes, I'm in the Marine Corps now. And he was an officer candidate. He said, and I want to let you know, that I scored a perfect score on my physical fitness test. He said, and I want to thank you because you pulled something out of me that allowed me to believe in myself. And I always went back on it. And even now to this day, when I tell that story, I don't know if you can see, I have chills. And I start to well up because it. it sometimes you sit there and go, it's not about the X's and O's. It's not about conjugate versus linear periodization versus wave. It's about how you interact with these people to get something out of them that they never thought was possible. And then it opens their mind to other aspects of going, well, I never thought I could do that. What else is possible? And that's what I truly feel like a lot of people that don't understand our profession and just see the external of the rah, 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 and the, you know, let's lift, let's squat, blah, blah. They don't see that. They truly don't see that special piece that happens on a daily basis in here is that we're not only the strength coach, we're a psychologist. We're a big brother, a big sister, uh, somebody for them to tell. They'll come in and tell us things they won't tell their coaches. And that's a heavy thing to wear on our shoulders. But again, a lot of people don't see that portion of it. So they just pass us off as meatheads in the weight room, and it could be the furthest thing from that. But that's of the stories. That's one that always resonates in my heart as one of the most special moments I've had in 20 years of doing this
0: that is that is an awesome story and did, did you get that from Tommy I've, I've heard him say that coaching is all about bringing stuff out from athletes that they couldn't you know do themselves
1: well I'll tell you Tom truly had an inspiration and it's funny when I see video of myself coaching it's almost like I'm watching highlight reels from coaches that have touched my life and see pieces their voice is coming through they're they're you know and it's I can't take credit for for the coach that I am today It's all those people who put the time and the effort to help me and I say it this way in truth, better myself to be a better person and that comes out in my coaching.
0: So awesome awesome yeah I've, I've definitely heard that before but it's, it's cool that you know like you said there's all those little things that, that you pick up and and one thing I, I like to say currently is I take one percent of the credit of where I am now because I've gotten so much advice and just people's time and effort and insights to where I act on it. You know, the, there's the 1%, but, uh, so I totally agree along those lines, but with your story, it it is all about those little small wins that accumulate over time and kind of build up and snowball and get that momentum going to where you have to believe in your athletes, even if they don't believe in themselves. And then when they're just exposed to that more and more and more, then they'll start slowly believing it too. So it's 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 crazy how how and similar to how a strength coaches, whenever they they teach interns and they're like, Oh, this isn't just like common knowledge, you know, like all this training knowledge. It's like, you know a 12 inch box, you know, we're just like, Oh, you just jump on it. But for some people, that's a very real reality. So being able to take a step back and even in their shoes and say like, no, this is, this is a real thing, you know? And I'm sure that the average strength coach just jump on it. Let's go, you know, but that's their reality. And it's cool that you were able to kind of realize that and kind of steer into that and say, okay, like this is legit. I'm going to do what I have to do to, to, Help him get to where i believe he should go and and where he ultimately wants to go and that's become a better tennis player and this is one of those things to get um to get uh where he wants to go and that's one thing that's that's tough about being in this profession or not tough in a bad way but like you know you put your heart and your soul and all this belief and it's never in that moment when it's like oh that clicked. Okay. Like I believe in myself now, you know, it was two, two and a half years, like you said, and it's not to say like, I'm waiting for my moment where they acknowledge me, but it's like, it, it's cool that that you got that payoff moral of my, my rant.
1: Oh, it's awesome. I, it's, it's truly, I, I really feel that this profession, and again, I think the X's and O's are a very small part of it. You know, I think when you show student athletes that you truly care about them, like them, not them as part of the team, then it it reaches the next level. I mean, I had a discussion last week with with one of my coaches here at UIC, and I'm extremely fortunate that the teams that I work with are phenomenal. And not just the teams, the coaches are phenomenal. So we had a talk about um, somebody was disciplined and somebody in this and that. And I said, we've built the culture here that I don't have to raise my voice. Like if one of my baseball players screws up, and I look at them and just go, you're better than that. They will look down and be like, you're right. I'm sorry, Nick. That's, I, I got to do better. I don't have to do that because they know that, again, every step of the way, I'm, I'm not perfect. By no, any stretch of the means am I saying I'm perfect, but they know that I'm going to do everything I can in my power to assist them to get them where they tell me they want to be. And I'm invested in that kid. I've had numerous, and I have here, there's just a few of them. These are thank you cards on the wall from former student athletes that have left and come back. And sometimes, especially now with COVID and the pandemic, it's, it gets like, gets difficult, but I look at that wall and I see that and I realize exactly why I'm doing it for all those kids that have, that have contacted me after they've graduated and said, Nick, I need help here. I had a former student athlete contact me over this break, said, Nick, I want to be a police officer. And he lives on the South side of Chicago. And he said, you know, I, I, I need to do it. He was a center for me in basketball, big guy, uh, 6'7", 300 and some pounds. He's like, I got to do it. Sent me a picture of his test. He was ninth in his class. I was like, dude, when this thing gets over, D, I'm taking you off for the biggest. And he became a pescatarian. I go, for the biggest fish dinner your butt can handle because I'm taking you off because I'm so friggin' proud of you. But it's relationships. It's telling people, letting them know that, hey, I'm here to help you. I care about you. Not you wearing this sweater. I care about you as a person, and I think that speaks volumes to people.
0: And I bet, hopefully, or I'm assuming that on none of those cards on your wallet says, do you, do you remember what my PR was for my back squat?
1: You're absolutely right. No no. You, you nailed it on the head. It's about and, I, and again, that's another thing I preach to my teams. You're going to forget the numbers? You're going to forget the repetitions. What you will remember is a collective group of people came together as a family to achieve a common goal. Collective means all of us. Coaches, strength coaches, athletic trainers, everybody in this circle. When you go to play somewhere else and everybody's booing against you, this circle is cheering for you and will continue to cheer for you for the rest of your life. And it's something that's very special.
0: Fantastic, and I'm sure we could keep going on and on and on. But I've—I'm uh, really excited with the that first answer to get into the next question. So, having spent ten years at USC and working with twenty-five Horizon League championship teams, kind of just comparing, contrasting, what's been the difference maker for those more successful years and seasons as a staff, but then also just within those teams themselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 pretty cool, and it's like it, it's funny because it's like not, we've almost, I've almost had 30. I think we were at 28. I had 28 championships. I think last year had COVID not shut us down, we would have gotten two more. Um, and then one of the things that really, truly resonates with every successful team that I've been fortunate enough to be a part of is the kind of how going back to how we just said is the family atmosphere. You're not participating on a team. You're a member of the family and, that sense of community, that sense of responsibility of you can easily come in here and cheat weights and cheat repetitions. And I preach this to the teams as well as you're not going, it's, it's not hurting me as a coach. You're not doing that for the brothers and the sisters around you. You're not doing your job. So you made it, you made you made a commitment to this family, not so much the team, but this family that you are now here with, and you made a commitment to them, not just to me, but to them. So when you're skipping reps, when you're adjusting weights, because I don't feel like doing it today, look around. We lift at 6 a.m. A lot of teams are here warming up at 5.30 to get it going. It's it's not in nature, human nature, to be pepped up and fired up before the sun rises. That's our job as strength coaches. You know, get fired up, let's go. Make them forget that they're here. Your responsibility is to see other people in your family here to pull your weight to do your job because I guarantee when you're out on the pitch or you're out on the field or the court, they're going to hope the same thing of you. And it's that atmosphere that we've instilled in them. It's just simple as being part of a family, doing your job and trusting the brother or sister to the right and left, you is going to do theirs. And that's when those championships go. Now I'm not going to sit here and say, if, if you do that, a plus B directly equals C, but it's going to set us up for a lot, a lot more when more is on the line of just a win and loss is letting that person down because they did their job and those other five or, or nine or whoever's on the field, let them down because they did their job. And I chose to take it easy. That's where really, the stakes get much higher. And I think that that atmosphere is something that we really try and, 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 and nourish and harness around here. And it's, it's been very successful with the teams.
0: And going back to this idea of, of accumulation and similar to how you said where it's not necessarily A and B is C, it could, be, it could be the fact that the freshmen kind of bought in and they collectively came together and were like, we're going to do this. And then two, three years, four years, now they're seniors. And then now the whole team is on board because they just believed that four years ago. So it's one of those things where it's like... I wish I'm, I'm so objective. I just, I just want to know like in X years, this is, this is going to happen because I'm yeah. saying X, Y, and Z, but that's not, that's not really how it works. So there's so many, so many factors that go into it, but when it's that consistency and that exposure, that's when, that's when stuff really snowballs.
1: I think truly when, when you, when you, and I know it sounds repetitive, but when you coach being a good human, it makes a difference and it starts to show when human characteristics show up as opposed to, to, uh, selfishness. When, it, when, when you show them that they're part of something bigger, it means much more. It means a lot more when you show them that you care about them and that the others around here care, they will go light years ahead of somebody who's just says, "Oh, I'm putting this number on and I have four years and boom, I'm out the door. So like for us here, I don't know who's on scholarship and who's not, I don't care because anybody who walks out my door looks the same to me. There's somebody who came here for help and I will do everything in my power to help them. So
0: and the 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 brotherhood and the sisterhood and the team and the family, it's not even in that season. It's right. It's are those those eighth graders that don't even know that they're coming here yet. Are they gonna be excited to lift? Are they gonna be proud of the 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 family and the culture of this team right now? So it's and and I'm and I'm sure that you have an an eloquent way of of stating it, as you already have done. But in that team setting, and, and I guess kind of last last question on this, kind of off the off the top, is is that one of those things where it's like a every every time before you lift, or is it just like a first meeting of the year you reiterate, and then maybe like before break and after they get back? So so kind of when do you choose to to share that message? Because if it's if it's rah 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 every day then it can become the normal and then it loses its meaning. So with the messages like that, as they've been a consistent theme of this talk so far, how do you strategically implement? Is it a lower frequency thing? Is it or just what's what's kind of your game plan
1: all the time? I mean, truthfully, I'm 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 personally a father. I have two daughters and I say I have an extended kids of over 300 at a year at a time. So even the teams that I don't work with, I, I'm uh, it's funny because there, there was just kind of a side note. One of my former baseball players who was an intern for me who now works in strength and conditioning. He was in the office and he was walking past and my wife happened to be at work one day and I just always greet everybody. Hey, what's going on? And my wife turns and she goes, he never turns it off. And it's just like, that's just me. I have a sense of excitement when I see people. If I'm speaking to somebody, I want that person to feel like they're the most important thing in my universe at that time. A hundred percent. And it's amazing what you get back when you give people that, 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 that attention that knowing that this isn't BS, I really want to know what's going on. I had a couple other, we are a very big international school. So we have a lot of our athletic as well as our student population are internationals. And I had a a intern who was from England and he had a very thick English accent. And I had another basketball player who was from Ireland and he came in and I don't know how they got on the topic, but they're like, one of them said, Nick always understands me. Most people can't understand what I'm saying, but Nick understands me. And I said, you know why? He said, why? I go, because I listen. And he just kind of went like this. He goes, and he smiled and he said, I get it. I said, when you talk, I listen. I'm not sitting here looking around to see what else is going on, getting distracted. When this person is speaking to me, I am listening directly to what they say. Because again, philosophically for me, they are the most important person in my world at that moment. And that goes out when I coach, it's the same thing. Well, I'll coach to somebody. What do we feel on this one? Well, I kind of felt this is, that's great. Cause here's what I saw. You did this, this, and this, right. Let's make it better by just doing this. They'll do the rep. How did that feel? That felt so much better. That was awesome. Let's do that again. And it's like, again, it's interaction. It's actually talking with, as opposed to talking to people that I feel makes a huge difference when it comes to that
0: that's awesome and and when there's those simple things that that you don't really have to think about like as simple as listening getting that kind of feedback as unintentional as it was just getting that feedback that's like hey you know like i'm, I'm trying to be intentional with listening i'm, I'm glad it's received that way uh, i bet that was an awesome feeling it um, is so next question because we got a few more to go and oh my gosh we, we could get so sidetracked <laughs> so as you alluded to earlier you were part of a team that won the stanley cup so you said you were an intern with that team.
1: Yes, I was an intern. It was going into uh, my my senior year. It was the spring semester of my senior year of college. So I would actually, and it's kind of funny, is that because I was in season for track and field in the spring, I would actually drive down from Fort Collins to Denver, which is about six, roughly 60 miles at about 3.30 in the morning to be there before practice. We would practice in the morning. I'd get to go to the Pepsi Center. During games, before games, I, since I played hockey, I was kid in a candy store. I skated on the ice way before any of the fans were there or anything. And the boys would razz me a bit because I was, I was, I hadn't played in years and, and they, they love to give me crap. Cause the only, I have size 14 feet, huge feet. So it's very difficult to find skates and the only skates I could find. And, and I don't know, some of the older people might remember Sergei Fedorov. He had Nike skates that were all white ugliest skates ever and I remember going out on the ice and lacing them up and I couldn't find any skates because my old skates didn't fit anymore I bought those I remember Joe Sack skating next to me he goes Nick those skates are friggin hideous and I'm like yeah I know it two more guys skated up what are you doing I'm like I get it They're terrible skates. I know, but I got no other boots to to wear. You know, it is what it is. And but it was just, it was an awesome experience. It was, it was really, really great.
0: That's awesome. So, so even just being an intern, so being part of that support staff, a team that that won it all in their league. What was the most? What was the most? unexpected thing in a positive way, like the thing that you can only experience having you know, actually won it. And then what was one thing that was kind of overhyped or like you assumed probably would have happened, but didn't? So kind of like those two things.
1: Absolutely. No, that's great questions. You know what? They kind of go hand in hand. If, if anybody's a hockey fan and understands that team, we had guys like Joe Sackick, Ray Bork, Patrick wop Peter Forsberg. For all lack of a sense, it was an all-star team. Every single one of those guys came to work Every single day, every single day. If there was a workout, they still competed. And Ray Bork was in his 40s, still competed his butt off after practice. They were in the weight room. Nobody was like, I'm too big to do this. I'm too this. I'm too that. I'm too, you know, whatever. Every single one of those guys wanted it in a way that they would do whatever it took to get it and they would support each other. That was something that I think was so magical about that team. And that was so eye-opening about that team. And we see now where people write in their contracts on, I don't have to do this and I don't have to do this. There were farm boys from Canada that did whatever it took to win a championship. And they, by all stretch of the means, almost every single person on that team had the right to be big headed. I remember a few guys asked me, I was, because I was flying home to Chicago after going there. And I remember big time guys, hall of famers coming up, Nick, you need a ride to the airport? I'm just going home afterwards. I got no problem with giving you a ride. I'm like, I really appreciate that. Thank, just down to earth people who loved the sport. It was awesome. I mean, and now the days with Bentleys and Mercedes and all this other stuff. We had guys leaving the practice driving dually pickup trucks that were that were signing multi million. Just normal people. They were just very good at hockey, and that was so refreshing to see at a professional level, and especially at the highest professional level it was absolutely awesome it was absolutely phenomenal to see that so it was that was that's something that stuck with me for a long long time that it doesn't have to be i'm better than everybody else they they stuck to the same notion is why we all started playing sports as a little kid team family come together to achieve something great
0: so of course it you have to have the right people and the people that that's just who they are but seeing this the the coaching staff or the head coach was that something that that he kind of kept reminding the guys or was that something that he tried to push across where it's like hey we're a team you're not bigger than the team or or was it more organic
1: it was more organic because in the meetings that i was a part of and and again i was an intern so there were some things where it was like you're an intern no problem i get it i know my place but it was it was one of those things where i never saw anybody had to reinforce the moral culture that was part of that team. It was, it was just so special. It was so great. I mean, and it was like, it was, it was, you had guys that were the stable leaders on the team. Then you had guys that didn't say anything, but when they talked, everybody stopped and listened and nobody was like, Oh, it's, it's, it's him. Or it everybody stopped eyes focused, Cause everybody was on a common place and it was phenomenal. It was absolutely awesome
0: and then what's the thing of getting to that ultimate the pinnacle of of every athlete in their respective sport winning it all what was one thing that was just overhyped and underdelivered
1: overhyped and underdelivered i it was just i guess just just the fact that people have a preconceived notion of what professional athletes should be and it wasn't that It wasn't that. And the cool thing. And again, I I take it personal because I was a hockey guy growing up when you see and I was fortunate enough that afterwards I went to North Dakota for grad school. I got invited to come back for the cup party that my boss, when he had the chances to touch to have the cup, he rented out Paul Goldberg, rented out a big barn in Colorado and they had it for weddings and everything. And he had a cup party. I can't tell you how fortunate I was to be a part of that and see that. But to sit there next to that cup and see the rings and the names of the people for almost 100 years, over 100 years on that cup, I'll tell you what, winning a championship in any sport is an absolute special thing. But when when you're – it sounds almost like mystical, and I kind of get welled up thinking about it. When you're in the presence of that and you see those names etched on there and the work that went into doing it, it's a special thing. It really – puts like the the icing on the cake of going wow this is insane this is absolutely insane so that was it's 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 kind of like the uh, um what is it the golden idol from indiana jones the 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 uh the the just being next to it was i i didn't want to touch it i didn't want to touch it where it was like you know (laughs) it's kind of there and you kind of want to, but it's like, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I'm like, but it's just, it's, 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 just, it's awesome. It was absolutely awesome.
0: And being in the trenches every day, understanding what it really takes, you know, and, and from an, an outsider's perspective, just a, a casual sports fan. It's like, Oh, that guy was a stud. That team was stacked. Da, 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 da. But it's like, you know what it really takes. Yeah. And you're just as invested, even as an intern, as the, the owner, the GM, the stud player, the, the backup goalie, because you're there every day, day in and day out. And it just has so much more of a, a meaning and a significance kind of like you said that, that you can only appreciate if you've been there in the trenches. So I, I can only imagine having that experience with that elite of the elite of that professional and just kind of shattering all of your expectations, kind of setting up for the rest of your career. So very, yeah. very cool story.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was extremely special. More or less, I like to say it. I was the fly on the wall in 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 a hall of greatness when I was there, so it was great. It was awesome.
0: That's awesome. And the next question. So, uh, Coach Zastoutis is a master strength conditioning coach. A very select few. I think it's under two hundred. That's right. Yeah. So on your journey to becoming a master SNC coach, what are two things that you wish you knew in the beginning that would have just accelerated your your learning curve or just this process?
1: I think overall, one of the things is, is, well, I guess two, two, the one thing that I could tell and advice wise is when I was younger, like much other younger people, if I believed in like a scheme, that was the way, I mean, it's kind of like the Mandalorian. This is the way there's nothing else, you know? And as I got older, I started to see going, well, this works for this group of pop, this population. It's not exactly what I would do. Let's open the mind up and stop putting the blinders on and see exactly. There's more than one way to skin a cat. There's a thousand ways to do what we do for X's and O's. Keep an open mind. Ask the questions. Well, how are you implementing this? Why? What's the reasoning behind it? Because a lot of times, again, and I take myself when I was younger, it's high intensity. Oh, that's BS. It doesn't work. Obviously, it's worked. And it's worked for a lot of different populations. So instead of being closed-minded and shutting it off, find out why it worked for them. How are they implementing it? What's the ins and outs of those athletes? You know, I think that's one thing that, again, over time, it took me to understand and ask the questions as opposed to just shut things off. The other thing that, that I think, and, and and by no means am I pat myself on the back, but I think I do a, a nice job of which I could always do better is networking. And when I say that it's reaching out to people that you haven't talked to in 10 years, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I know people who sometimes get annoyed by it, but it's like, that's just me. When I call and check in on somebody, how are you doing? How's your family doing? It's been a really long time. I just want to make sure you're doing okay. You know, and it's not for gain of something. It's just being a good person in my eyes. It's just helping relationships because life is about relationships. It's not just strength and conditioning relationships. It's doing all that. I think, I think, um, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go, and I'm sorry for this, Matt, is that, I'm going to go off on, on, on a slight um, tangent is that this past weekend, we lost a really special person. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you heard, and I getting a little teared up is uh, I knew Joe and I can't say that I knew him extremely well, but he, he embodies what this profession should be. Um, sorry. It's uh, he, uh, he always greeted everybody with a smile and a handshake. Um, and it's just, that's what this is about. That's really what this is about, you know? Um, and it's more so the thoughts go out to him and his, his, his family and those he worked with and those that the lives that he touched because he did it right. He did it right. Um, I see a lot of times when we go to like CSCS conference or the CSCCA and everything, and you see younger strength coaches and they try and be the tough guy and barrel their chest out and walk around all mad. Life's too short. If nothing else, life's too short. Greet people how you want to be greeted. Treat people like they're the most special thing. Um, And I know this is kind of an offshoot, but this is, even though Joe and I weren't super close, every time I went up to see Jay and his staff up there, and they're just up the road. And again, I have an affiliation because Fitzy was an assistant coach when I was an assistant coach. He and I are very close. So every single time I came up there, there was no big time attitude. There was no, we're better than you. I don't have to talk to you. It was always a gigantic smile. Coach just artists, And I'm like, dude, call me Nick. My name is Nick, please. I don't have my athletes call me that because my heart, my last name is hard enough as is. It was always a warm welcome. It was always a smile. It was always truly how we spoke about a feeling of happiness to see somebody. He did it right. He did it right. And, and I think not just the strength and conditioning, but the world as a total is at a loss that we lost him this past weekend so
0: and speaking on if if it's genuine and how you would normally greet those people and, and speaking on on the networking part is just as likely as you could reach out to that person and they could say, why haven't you contacted me in 10 years? Well, you can say the same thing to them, but it's, it's those relationships where you do reach out after a while and it's, and it's, it's like you guys chatted yesterday, you know, it's just so natural and, and just respecting and understanding the process of, believe it or not, strength coaches don't exactly have the most free time in the world. Yeah. yeah. But when they do get together, it's genuine. It's, it's happy. Kind of like you said, and, right. and it's just some guys just talking, shopping, getting together. And, and there's no egos of, of my staff is better than your staff or, or I'm, I'm the, the tough guy or, or whatever it may be. And that's when the impact really happens, you know, not only for your athletes, but also also the the staffs around you and and tommy shared a a, a little bit about a, a little bit about joe and and i think he said that he used to like he basically like slept and lived in one of the offices as an unpaid intern for like two years and and it's just one of those things where, where tommy same same thing not to just repeat his story but he didn't have you know the 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 longest relationship but just that came across and that was and that's who Joe painted himself to be for Tommy and for you, even though it wasn't the most extensive relationship, but if you're right. doing stuff the right way and when it's your time to reach out and say hello and go drive up the road, we're all super busy. But when it's, when it's like it was yesterday, when it's, it's never skipped a beat, that's when, that's, when, uh, that's when the special stuff happens for sure.
1: That's right. And it's it's one of those things where it, it kind of got to me in talking about that is just for the sheer fact that he's up the road. I mean, like you just brought up that. Assort. I slept on the same floor when I was an assistant and had teams that went until nine o'clock at night. And the next team was at six in the morning. It's like, I'm not driving home. So I'll grab some ab mats and pull a, a Big Ten blanket over my shoulder. And the next morning, my boss comes in. Do you sleep here? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I got a team tomorrow. Just, it seemed much more realistic to do that than drive all the way back home and come back. So. <laughs> It's, it doesn't take much. I mean, it truly doesn't take much to pick up a phone, to shoot an email and again, just be a, just be a person. Just how's it going? Or even somebody you don't know, Hey coach, you know, I saw you on this and, and I really appreciate it. it. It resonated with me. I just want to say, Hey, hello. And hopefully we talk to, to to each other in the future. So it's, it's, it needs to happen more often. It truly needs to happen more often and not just at national conferences. So,
0: and similar to how people are are recently saying where it's you're you're not coaching the athlete, you're coaching the person and the human first. Well it's like you're you're not interacting with strength coaches. You're interacting with people and humans first. And it's and it's interesting that like, you know, we would always we always preach like sleep and nutrition and take care of your bodies, but then like strength coaches are the worst about doing that to themselves. But just as you know, how you would treat your athletes. You're gonna listen, you're gonna be genuine when you say hello, you see them as human and the people that they are. Well, why don't we do that with our, with our colleagues, regardless of their, of their down the road, it's some conference or it's just like a Twitter DM. I think that's huge for sure.
1: Yeah. It's, and it's also, I've, I've heard, and I've gotten calls from some people who I don't know asking me things. And then I tell them about, you know, like my interns that we have, and unfortunately with all this, we haven't had any this year, but we treat them like assistant strength coaches. I mean, they are in the trenches. They are coaching that's why they're here. They're not here to wipe down benches. If we're wiping down benches, I'll be the first grabbing a rag and spraying stuff down. I'm not, I'm not interning custodians. We're interning strength and conditioning coaches. And I've heard horror stories from what other people do. And truthfully, it's one of those things where it's in my eyes, nobody goes out and says, I'm going to do this to screw this guy over or blah, blah, blah. In their mind, for whatever reason, they're it's doing right. Well, I'm doing what I think is right here by treating them as if they're in the position that they attain to be teaching or teaching them, treating them with respect every single day as I expect to get back from them. And it's just that, that golden rule of treat others how you want to be treated. And it, and it crosses boundaries of not just coach to athlete, but coach to coach, coach to intern. I mean, why would you be a jerk to somebody that you, you, you're trying to mentor? I don't get it. I, for me personally, I just, maybe because I was just the people who took me in, were so open and so great with the way that I was treated. It's for me to pay them back by doing the same to the people that are come to seek me and say, hey, Nick, I'd like to study underneath you in this. I don't know anything. I mean, I just, I've fallen into some some lucky things and some good stuff. But nonetheless, it's again, it goes back to just being a good person, being a good human, treating people how you want to be treated. So.
0: And speaking on kind of all of, your, all of your experiences and how they've all come together and how there's little little bits and pieces of those kind of and in, in how you do your job, segueing that into the next question. So you've coached at, at a variety of levels. So the professional level in the NHL, Power 5, Northwestern, even though it's not what it is now, but still, you know, Power 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, D2, North Dakota, and now a relatively small D1, you know, just the Horizon League. It's, it's still D1, but it's not Power 5. <laughs> So of each of those levels, what's been your favorite part of each kind of going back to comparing and contrasting? And what's the biggest lesson that each kind of the previous one helped you with the, the next one?
1: Mm-hmm. I think the, the, the greatest thing to take away from all of these is the, and I know it kind of, again, it sounds redundant, is the interaction with different people. You know, when we were at Northwestern, we used to joke around when freshmen would drive up with cars that are Mercedes and this and that. And I was driving a POS pickup truck and it's like, they're from a different social background than we are, but we come together. When I was at North Dakota, I remember we used to have guys come in over the summer. I had a a thrower at North Dakota who would come in literally with lime burns on his legs because he was working construction coming straight from the job site to lift with us. I had to connect with him. Here at UIC, we have kids that are passed over by a lot of big schools and come here and connecting with them. So it's being able to learn how to not only convey, and this is one of the things that we say all the time, you can be the smartest person in the world, have the most knowledge, the best programming. If you can't convey the concepts that you're trying to get across to the population you're working with, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So I truly value all these other places that I've been as a culminating effect of how I am able to relate to people of different backgrounds, different socioeconomic places, different mindsets. I mean, I have here, my, 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 my men's soccer team, and this has been predominantly here, is 80, I'd say they're probably about 80 to 85% Latino. And lifting was not part of the soccer culture. It just wasn't. I had one of my guys, Chino Perez, who got drafted in the first round of the MLS last year. The day after his last game with UIC, Mick, we got to get back in the weight room. We got to be squatting. I want to squat at least three days a week to get it up. Now, mind you, this is a kid who came here who was like, I'm not squatting. I'm not doing this. Through, through talking with him, not to him, talking with him about where this is going to get us on the pitch and how this is going to better you. Moving forward, he understood. And having conversations, not you're doing this because I'm the coach and I said to do this, blah, 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 blah. It's connecting with him, asking him, how does it feel? You know, what are you what are you feeling from these workouts we're doing? taking honest feedback on my part. If there's things that he didn't like or the team didn't like, we take it out. So ego is out of there. Well, I've been coaching as long as some of these kids have been alive. I still, if we do a four week cycle on week three, I present the work off to the team and explain to them what the thought process is and why we're doing this, explain to them the science on why we're doing this for ground force reaction. The stronger we are, the more force we could put in the ground, which equates to faster. you know whatever the science is that we're talking about in that cycle. Handing it to them and saying, "Where am I screwed up? I never played soccer. I never played baseball. Well, I did when I was a little kid, but nonetheless, I never played at the level that you guys are at. You guys help me get you right with the knowledge that I'm giving you of what this program is about. Fill in the gaps." that's where the ownership comes in and that's where it's, it's one of those things where regardless of their background, if they're totally sold in on strength and conditioning or they're both feet out of the boat in this, and they came here and they just wanted to play their sport. That's where it comes down to explaining, talking, having conversations. We've had kids here that, I mean, I guess for lack of a better term, spit out the bit and didn't want to do it. Come on in. Let's, let's talk. Why don't you want to do this? What worked for you in the past? How did we how did you integrate that into your training out on the field? And then taking little bits and pieces of that integrating it. Next thing that kid goes, he really listened. Holy cow, we're doing stuff that I told him worked for me. It's working for us. He really cares. He really listens to the feedback that we're giving him. And now we're seeing these things. And that's where that organic family that organic team comes in where it's not the high school coaches over here the athletes are over here it's here and this is where championships are made when the two are met in the middle so
0: and involving them in that process the ownership the autonomy where it's as simple as talking with them listening and saying i hear you you're, you're saying X correct about why they do or don't believe in certain things or where it's being vulnerable and being open where it's like I've never played at the level you have. Help me get better at helping you get better or just teaching them and, and understanding more about the process. And, and one thing that that I've recently been doing in my own coaching is is a certain section I'll say, hey, player choice. A, B, and C up to you, you know, or, or having a more question based, um, interaction style, where it's wh- what do you think of that rep or, or how'd that go, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm, so you're teaching them how to coach themselves. One thing I like saying is 10% of their weekly reps, cause we do a, a lot of speed and agility, 10% of the weekly reps are in front of my eyes. So if I can help improve the other 90 by, by, uh, teaching them how to coach themselves and then consequently understand how to make a program or not necessarily write a program, but just work out on their own. That, that, that's going to be huge. And then consequently that improves the quality of in the weight room because the program's a, a little bit better and they're more bought in. And it's its kind of funny how backwards everything is. Whereas yeah. if you want to make the weight room better, well, you don't talk about the weight room. And, and stuff uh, kind of like that. And and if, if you want to have the best program ever, well, then you take some control away from yourself over the program and kind of right. just having this, this mindset of of, not, not even a step back, but just a different angle to attack it. And, and mm-hmm. I'm working with these athletes to get them better at their sport. Well, who's the expert at them playing that sport themselves? <laughs> you know, yeah. so it sounds yeah. simple, but yeah, That's player right. choice and autonomy ownership.
1: Yeah. I mean, it gets more along the lines of even even more Down that, And and I've been fortunate enough in the offseason, I've had every year, with the exception of this year, I've had anywhere between four to 12 Major League Baseball players come back and train with me. Um, I trained Curtis Granderson in the offseason for the last nine years of his career. Um, George Contos, who was a pitcher in two World Series for the San Francisco Giants. George was one of my kids, and he's trained with me. T.J. McFarlane, uh, who pitches for the Athletics. Yeah, Jason Kipnis was with us for quite some time. And it goes into the same lines. What do we need to do, guys? Help me develop a program. Now, it wasn't that dissimilar from what I do with my normal athlete. Squat is a squat. I don't care if you're a cross country kid or a football player. Philosophically, a squat's doing the same thing, but it has to be tweaked and modified to get the needs of that. You got a, you got somebody like Curtis, who is who is close to retirement. Does he need to squat 500 pounds? No. Then I had somebody like Contos who was an awesome kid. And I've known George since he was 17 years old, as a recruit at Northwestern who this was something in here that got this right. So he felt the need to do that, even though, and George is a stubborn guy and he would back me up on this and he knows that even though me saying George, we don't need more than this. Now we don't need more. I got to do it. So it was a way that we had to kind of figure it out to get what George needed. And then from a physical standpoint, what he, what he, he needed to perform his job. So it's again, it goes back to that organic of, of, of it has to be a collaborative effort, not just because we're the knowledgeable people in strength and conditioning. It's got to fit that person, that individual, that team, that team in that year. A lot of factors have to come into it.
0: Awesome, awesome. So moving on to the last question. uh, Give us about 10 minutes or so, which will bring us up on about an hour. So I love the philosophical and the stories and the the theoretical and, and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, we're here to help other professionals get better and ourselves get better. And that's us as professionals is what we do on, on a daily basis. So with all of your experiences culmin, culminating to being a master strength coach to starting driving 60 miles to Denver and then every stop along the way, a uh, big, small D1, D2, and everything in between, what are one to three action steps you think that the listener can start doing tomorrow to become better?
1: I think one of the biggest ones is step outside your comfort zone. And I think that can apply... To multiple different areas, being in a programming standpoint, you know I'm a periodization guy. Well, read into conjugate, see what conjugates about. I'm a powerlifting guy. Look up some Olympic weightlifting things, see what that's about. I mean, I to this day I still have. I mean, again, my desk looks like the paper monster threw up. I got Louis' book here. I had Verkushansky's book underneath there, and I actually cracked. Mel Siff's super training for the first time in I don't know how many years, but I mean, I have all these books behind me. There are levels of this. Some of them I've only read a few chapters in Others of them. I read cover to cover, but it's, it's trying to broaden my horizon of being I'm a this person or I'm a this person, see what, see what's out there. And I think that that's, that's one of the biggest lessons. You know, I think number two for taking steps, meet people meet people, you'd be amazed how much an interaction can go for you or against you. You know, that's one of the things I tell my interns on the first day. It's like, listen, I don't have the knack for lying to people. So if you're a jerk and somebody calls as a reference, I'm going to say he did a bad job. And I've actually had people call as references and they say, what do you think about Mike? He didn't do a great job here. And the person's like, really? Really? I was like, yeah, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that they did. They didn't. So as a young strength and conditioning coach, if this is what you want to go into, do a good job. Don't think that anything's given, you know, and and I'm not sitting here, I'm not someone who's going to sit there and say, you know, you have to do this and you have to, you do what you want to do, but just realize that many people are watching. You're always being watched. And the one thing that I tell my staff is you're always on a job interview. Act as though you're always on a job interview, not only with myself, with our student athletes, with our coaches, with our administration, always we want to present something forward that everybody can see and be proud of. As opposed to saying, "Oh, that guy's not, not everybody's going to like you, but at the same time, a respectful manner, you're going to have disagreements with people and, and, and do it respectfully as opposed to, Oh, you're full of it. I'm not, I'm walking on this and that, as opposed to saying, where do you come up with this? Like, Help me understand your viewpoint. You know, I think those are two. And again, it goes back to being humanistic characteristics that are sometimes fall by the wayside is that when you start to do things and break things down of being just a good person of just somebody who, and I hate to say it, somebody who you would like to hang around with, it's amazing how many people, how how doors start to open. And how many people are seeing you for who you personally are, as opposed to this facade you might be putting on in front, because I'm a strength coach and I got to be this guy and I, I got to, you know, be, or it's like, listen, man, I've seen a lot of people come and go in this business and the people you remember are people who are not only good at their job, but just were good people, nice people always took the time, never looking over your shoulder to see who's next to talk to, you know, so treat people with respect, treat people the way you would want to be treated and have fun. I mean, not many people can say they do for a job what we do. And we're extremely fortunate. And, and that was one of the things I gave, a, I gave a talk at an NSCA conference years ago. And I said, I truly get to put on shorts and a t-shirt every day of the year, yell around, jump and scream like a professional wrestler, put on a scientist coat lab on what I do in here and help kids achieve their goals. And never feel like I worked a day in my life. And I'm extremely fortunate to have that because a lot of people don't. So
0: I definitely cannot try to rephrase it and summarize better than you just did. Very eloquently said. You're very, you're a very good speaker, by the way. Thank so, you very much. So I'm going to say thank you for kind of pull, pulling back the curtain on your experiences, what's made you who you are, and just insights to beginning, middle, advanced strength coaches, I think we can all benefit from that. So I would just like to say thank you very much for your time, just for your transparency. And I got a lot out of this and, and I know that the listener will as well. So thank you very much again.
1: Oh, it was absolute pleasure, Matt. Thank you so much. And again, for anybody who's listening, should you want to reach out and contact me, my number's on our website, my email is on there. The worst thing you can do is say, man, I wish I would have called that guy before it's too late. So feel free to contact me.
0: Until I forgot. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, you put that in at the end. So thank you.